Welcome to Christ, Culture, and College, where we're on a journey to discuss the intersection of these three domains. That's Christ, Culture, and College. Hello, friends. Welcome to our first official podcast of Christ Culture College. We're really excited for this one. What are you, what are you excited oh, I, for? I am so excited for this one. This is a topic that I uh, really love and I really love discussing. It's something that I feel that God has really put on my heart and opened my eyes to. And so oh, I am so excited to talk about this one today. Yeah, I'm excited as well. We are, have a very special guest on here, someone who is very important to me, Corinne Shogi. She is my discipler. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Say hi, Corinne. Hey. <laughs> um, Corinne is on staff with the Navigators here at Penn State. She is a NAV rep serving as women's director at Penn State. In addition to this, Corinne serves as missions mobilizer for the Mid-Atlantic Coastal Region and with the National African American Network Leaders Team. Some other things about her, she loves purple. Oh, I do love purple. <laughs> uh, I went to Staples yesterday and bought a purple pen and thought it. <laughs> I've got my purple rain jacket, hey. purple chucks on. Hey. You do, you do. Wow. Purple's not a super common favorite color, but that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. She also loves tea. It is always offering tea to me. Mm-hmm. Very thankful for that. I'm blessed to have been discipled by her for about a year now. And I just really appreciate getting to observe her faithfulness mm-hmm. in just our relationship and seeing that through the way that she chooses to trust God through things and just the peace that you experience when you're around her. Mm-hmm. And so Retweet. those are things I really appreciate about her. Yeah. And she's a very unique person. And I'm so thankful that she agreed to be on our podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm of excited. Course. Yeah. Of course. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, Corinne. We are so excited to talk about Many different things today. But first, would you tell us a little bit about your story, how you came to be where you are today? Yeah. So I am originally from Missouri. Grew up there. Uh, My mom is from Colorado. My dad is from Nigeria. Pretty exciting. Mm. So they met in a small town um, in Missouri and (laughs) had me and three other siblings. Um, So yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents actually divorced when I was five, and that was huge and impactful for me and my faith. I just saw my mom cling to God and saw the church come around us and uh, knew that I wanted that same comfort and Mm -hmm. encouragement. So uh, that kind of led me to put my trust in Christ. So yeah, continued uh, living life, um, ups and downs and struggles and things like that. Uh, But when I decided to go off to college, I went to uh, the University of Missouri in Columbia Mm -hmm. and knew right away that I wanted to get involved in some kind of church or ministry. I wasn't involved in a youth group or anything growing up in high school, uh, but knew that was something that I wanted to do. So found the Baptist Student Union on campus and had a free barbecue. Wow. Delightful. Wow. That's the way to go. It's not like we do that or anything. No, it's not. Um, so connected right away and was invited to mm. be part of a Bible study and get rights to church mm-hmm. and found a great community there. And really my freshman year of college was transformational, helped mm. me to realize 
that being a Christian wasn't just a label and identifying myself as something, but a relationship that I could have with Christ. So uh, I would say my freshman year was more so like a lordship decision and really mm. changed the rest of my life. Um, and then I met the Navigators. Uh, there was a couple at the Baptist Student Union, Eric and Jennifer Briner. They felt passionate about making disciples and kind of branched off to start a Navigators group. And I was like, why would we not make disciples? Yeah. <laughs> so I joined them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and was one of the first students as part of the NAVS ministry at Mizzou there. Whoa. Um, and then, yeah, I was a biology pre-med major heading to med school. That was my goal. Okay. Um, and graduated um, applied to med school, was put on some waiting lists, didn't get accepted, mm. and I was devastated. I was mm. like, what am I supposed to do with my life now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I tried again and did all of these things to look better on paper, um, but really felt like God was leading me in this direction of ministry for at least a season. Um, so went on staff with the Navigators and thought that might be a temporary thing, but now it's nine years in Calgary. Wow. wow. <laughs> so, yeah, a big life change uh, moving into ministry instead of medicine, but I have absolutely loved it. Uh, wow. So was on staff with the Navigators for four years at the University of Missouri okay. and then came to Penn State to finish my training and have stayed. Wow. Well, we're so blessed because of that. You have been an incredible resource um, and voice for our ministry. Thanks, Corinne. Absolutely. So, Corinne, to expand on your experiences, how has your faith intersected with your ethnic identity? It's mm, a great question. Um, I would say initially not very much. I didn't see it as like an initial, I guess, huge connection. Okay. But over time, um, it has been something that uh, has strengthened my confidence in my ethnic identity and... Mm -hmm. Um, has been an encouragement both with my faith and identity, if that makes sense. So yeah. one huge uh, example is even just more recently, uh, my first year here at Penn State, I helped lead the trip to Kenya. So yeah. Penn State now wow. has a partnership there. Went and helped to lead the team. We actually had a fairly diverse team. There was myself, a student named Mabel, who is from the Dominican Republic. Hmm. Uh, we had a guy named Reggie um, from Tennessee, um, just a southern, southern guy, great. <laughs> um, and so being in Kenya with our Kenyan friends, they were asking what African-Americans are like in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And all three of us were almost representing three different types of African-Americans. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was really interesting to just engage in conversation and um, and even just reflect with the Lord. While I was there, I realized that a lot of times I feel more comfortable in overseas locations um, than I do in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because there are expectations that are kind of put on me. Like, I need here? to speak here. Okay. Mm -hmm that I would speak in a certain way, that I would act in a certain way, or behave in a certain way, or look a certain way because of how I look or what my 
ethnic identity is. Whereas overseas, it's just like, oh, you're an American. Tell me what Americans are like. <laughs> and so it's almost like a blank slate, which is really okay. nice. Um, and I didn't realize that until that summer trip. Um, but I also got to take a week and visit Nigeria, um, mm. where my dad grew wow. up. Uh, my grandparents are there. I have an aunt and uh, two aunts, some uncle, cousins that I had never met before um, wow. that I got to visit and got to see where my dad grew up and what life was like for him. Um, so my sister and I both spent a week there, and that was very eye-opening and just helpful in understanding a little bit more of especially my dad and his culture and some of the things that he kind of shared with us as kids. Um, and just realizing, like, the wonderful, um, I don't know, even just, like, spiritual uh, generations that we have. One of my uncles is a pastor of a wow. church in um, Ibadan, Nigeria. And uh, getting to see a little bit more, like, one one tiny thing was just the culture of dress. So around campus, college students would, like, dress very nicely professionally, especially depending on what your education level was. So like if you are a pre-med student or pre-law or something like that, you're walking around in suits on campus. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and so you like dress and, and then a compliment is like, hey, you look smart. And wow. that's like you're dressed nicely. Mm. Um, and so my dad growing up would always want us to dress so nice like buy us newer clothes and like wear dresses. My sister and I hated it. Um, <laughs> but now I understand he wanted us to look like we actually knew something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just like small cultural things like that just gave me a greater appreciation for my ethnic identity and like where I was from and uh, a little bit more my, I guess, roots in that sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so how did that trip like... How'd you reflect on it once you were back in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, most of those things were kind of like in the midst of and afterwards, um, just okay. realizing as I was thinking about um, and experiencing some of those things, but um, just even realizing that uh, that I can have a greater confidence in like who God has created me to be specifically mm -hmm. and uniquely, um, that I have different experiences that I get to share um, that can be impactful for sending people to the nations, to reaching the nations, um, reaching people who are unlike me or similar to me. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that, that there's a joy in that. I think that was also um, another trigger for realizing my, I guess, unique opportunity in reaching African Americans here mm -hmm. as well. And I think before um, some of my time with the Navigators was more of a, oh, you're black, you should yeah. reach black people. Yeah. Go find them. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Just because. <laughs> yeah. Um, but realizing that I can be somewhat of a bridge um, with the Navigators. It is a predominantly white organization, yeah. and I am not predominantly white. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but. Yeah. Being able to kind of reach people who have a similar background or ethnicity and identity and um, kind of bridge with a, a community that is really focused on Christ and yeah. growing. Yeah, and I think that has been such a valuable resource to our campus as I think about particularly even more so just the Northeast um, being predominantly white and even um, a university like Penn State, I can think of 
the number of campus Christian ministries that we have on campus that are predominantly white. And when I think about um, reaching um, African Americans or um, Hispanics or Asians, I don't think we really capture God's heart well for reaching the nations on this campus. I think we have a lot of area to grow in that. And I think, you know, it's taken me a while to understand that here at Penn State, while it is a quote-unquote diverse place, we have, what, 137 different nations present. I think one of the things I've had to come to learn is that it's still largely, in a lot of ways, driven by white culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that as I realize that more, I realize how difficult that can be. Like you shared how you had experiences where you're expected to dress a certain way or say certain things, but then you go to somewhere like Nigeria or Kenya and it's like, not that way, mm-hmm. you know, it, right. it, it wasn't abnormal. And so I think being, having someone like you on our campus to um, help in that regard is so, so special to us because we need it. Uh, I think also there's the challenge though, that, that as I wrestle with um, our conversation is I think there's a tendency to, like you said, oh, you're black, go reach blacks. As I think about this, I'm like, I don't want to minimize Corinne and all of her viewpoints into just this discussion on race. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes that's, that can happen, and I really don't like that. And so I'm thankful, though, that you're willing to even have this conversation with us. So yeah, thank you. absolutely. And there is, like, a unique... I mean, I am black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, there can be certain either certain places or certain conversations that I can have that maybe some others can't have Mm -hmm. and so there's that's something that I've been growing in um just more grace I guess Mm -hmm. uh, over the last several years and just realizing that there's there's a unique place and unique opportunity that I have that not everyone else has and so what is my responsibility um, to that and whether people have expectations or not right um, like what is God calling me to Learning more about your identity and who God made you to be and like confidence in that. What were some, were there any particular scriptures that spoke to that? Oh, on the spot with the scripture. Yeah, sorry. Okay, <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's one particular thing that you're like, this is big. Hmm. Specifically with my ethnic identity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, as I think I can share one that okay. may not necessarily be... Um, with my ethnic identity, but um, most people know Psalm 139 as a wonderful passage on our identity and who God says that we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And one verse that stands out is verse 14, Psalm 139, 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So a couple summers ago, that was something that God really highlighted as I was leading others through mm-hmm. learning about their identity mm-hmm. and um, just just a truth for myself, and especially that last phrase, that my soul knows very well. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering, like, does my soul actually know that mm-hmm. very well, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has made no mistake that I'm flawless. Mm. So that became my word that summer, that I'm flawless. Mm. Even though I don't feel like it sometimes. (laughs) He has made me flawless. Um, Mm. So that's definitely a huge identity verse. 
Um, I think there's another one uh, in Acts. Yeah, um, Acts 17, 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Um, and just kind of thinking about the unity and diversity there as mm -hmm. well, that, um, that it's like no mistake that I am where I am, that I'm half black, half white, mm -hmm. um, that I'm part Nigerian, um, and grew up in a small town in Missouri and now live in State College, Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> there's like no, no mistake in, in what he's done and where he's mm -hmm. put me. I love that. I think that's that's something I've been growing and learning is in this term Imago Dei, being that we are all created in the image of God. And so as I grow in engaging the world and understanding and, and learning more about people who are different than me or have different experiences, I think one of the things I'm growing to do is to learn that they are equally made in the image of God and that God has has that, that every culture and ethnic group all reflects that truth. That we are all made in the image of God. And right. I think that's such a beautiful truth that you highlighted there. Yeah. So pivoting a little bit, I want to ask you one of the things. I have a lot of thoughts about this, but <laughs> I don't need to be. I, I want to hear your opinion on it. So over the last two and a half years, there's been a discussion in America or I don't even want to call it a discussion, but there's been there's been a lot going on in America around race and police brutality and Black Lives Matter. There's just, there's just a lot of, some would call it racial tension. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, how do you understand what's happening in America over the past two and a half years? Right. Wow. Yeah, I know, not, not an easy question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as I think about that, I, a large part of me wants to think that, you know, it's nothing new. Hmm. That it's been hmm. existing for a very, very long time. And it's only now becoming more and more exposed or more and more in our face, um, which is good because it causes us to deal with it. The challenge, I think, for me is that people still aren't dealing with it. And the last couple of years have actually been really hard in kind of dealing with some of these happenings, yeah, <laughs> these, that's a good word, happenings events <laughs> um, and things unfolding and, and just becoming more and more discouraged that this is a reality. And, and I think for a lot of people, it can be like, there's something happening and it's like, it's like this outburst of racism and, yeah. and all of these things. But I think the reality is it was all under the surface and that maybe there were a couple events um, that caused it to come up to the surface, to be in our faces. Um, I know one huge discouraging thing for me is that just with a lot of young black men getting shot, that, again, that's not new. Um, but it's like being recorded on video yeah. and posted on the Internet for yeah. lots of people mm -hmm. to see and be aware of, and yet it's still happening. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I would say it's not new, yeah. um, but it's uh, exposed, and and there's still a lot of effort that we can make to become more and more aware, and then to try and do something about it. Yeah, yeah. 
I think those are great thoughts. I think that has been one of the things that I share with you in that discouraging aspect of just what's been happening. I think, um, I think one should be willing to look at situations and try to step back from their instant reaction that they want to make or that they were raised to think a certain way or that for me to um, look at these, these instances of young black men being murdered and often having many of these officers um, be not convicted. Mm-hmm. That is so discouraging. And I think, though, we, we need to grow in understanding, particularly white brothers and sisters of mine, we need to learn how to engage and listen while also dropping some of, like, pulling down our fists that we want to. Well, you're against police. No. Right. No, I, I'm standing for the Imago Day yeah. in my African-American brothers and sisters. And so I think that's just, as we engage in this conversation, I encourage our listeners Seek to just listen, you know, whether or not you agree or disagree. Seek to listen first in any of the discussions we have on this podcast, because I think that will really serve you in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say listen, but then also ask questions, mm. because we can really be passive and sit and listen and hear a lot of things. Mm. But um, there may be plenty of opportunities that we can just seek greater understanding or clarity or curiosity, even. Yeah. Corinne, you mentioned making efforts to be aware and to change, I guess, our habitual or first reactions to things. What do you think that looks like? Mm. Yeah. Well, asking questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Asking questions. I'm going to ask you with another question. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I think also, like, reading books, mm. um, reading books by authors who are not white, Retweet, retweet. Yes. <laughs> Are you um, thinking like narratives or that speak into that or more nonfiction? Um, you know, it really could be anything yeah. because yeah. you're going to learn something different from somebody who is different. True. One resource that I would suggest is a book called Waking Up White. It's on my to read on Goodreads. Me too. (laughs) That's the one uh, Tom and Morgan were telling me about. Uh It is is a really great book and and very easy read. Do you have a copy? I do have a copy. Could I borrow it? Yes, you can. Hey. (laughs) Hey. Yeah, I was just on the phone with a friend of mine out in Colorado who um, I suggested that book to. And so she read it and really enjoyed it. And the book has a whole like pages of resources of other books to read. And so she's like checking out all these books from the library. And she's like, have you read this and this and this? I'm like, actually, I haven't. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm glad that you are. (laughs) Um, So just like, like changing our perspective and growing in an awareness of like, okay, what am, I, what am I doing wrong? You know, this author of Waking Up White kind of had um, an idea of what racial reconciliation would look like mm-hmm. from her majority white culture and perspective and kind of stepping into learning more about it, she realized I'm going about this the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, just learning from others and stepping into situations that are maybe uncomfortable um, mm-hmm reading about history and like what has gone on in our world that contributes to systemic racism and those Mm -hmm. types of things. 
Yeah, I think a great one. I, I echo that thought. I think a, it's not necessarily a, a Christian book in nature, uh, but the new Jim Crow has been one that I've really enjoyed that really addresses um, systemic racism and the criminal justice system. I think is as Western Christians, we have a tendency to believe that sin is individualistic and that it only impacts my life or maybe the people directly around me, but but we fail to kind of understand that sin is so pervasive that it even impacts our systems mm-hmm. and our governments. Corporate. And so, yeah, exactly, like a corporate sense of sin. And so I think that's been one that's been hugely helpful for me in even understanding what happens when sinful people make sinful systems, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Can, can a criminal justice system be racist? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes, <laughs> you know, but, but it took some of these reading from people who are different than me for me to really understand um, that maybe how I grew up and the things I learned growing up are not necessarily truth or even reflective of God's heart. And so I just echo your thought there on, on reading and hearing from people that are different than yourself. So thank you for that, that thought. That's an awesome thought. Yeah, that is really helpful and encouraging. It, talking about more organizations that are made up of sinful people, yeah. <laughs> what, while we're on that topic, yeah. <laughs> um, what role do you think the church mm. as a whole, or just the, the question, American right? church, the church globally, in all senses of the word, what do you think that plays, what role does it play in efforts towards racial reconciliation? Right, so... <laughs> That's a loaded one, too. <laughs> We're not letting you off easy, These terrain. are light questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Greg, come on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Purple. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> we covered the easies. Now it's time to get into it. <clears throat> right. So I would say the church has an enormous role in racial reconciliation. Um, have we done it well? Absolutely not. Or maybe baby steps, I don't know. But uh, right now, I don't think we're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a topic that's not talked about in churches at all. And, and you know... Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think with, both with the church and individual people, it's I think there's a huge fear of saying something wrong. Mm-hmm. Which is somewhat understandable, because you don't want to say something wrong <laughs> and offend somebody. Um, no. But if you really don't know... I mean, you can step out with humility and just say, I don't know anything. Can you help me understand this? Or um, I have this burning question. Don't be offended, please. You know, like if if somebody comes up to me and asks a question, prefacing it with, I'm just really curious or I really don't know. Why would that be offensive at all? So I think instead of holding back, and avoiding things, um, we need to step out um, outside of comfort zones, mm. taking a risk to, in humility, because you can do it without humility, and then it is certainly offensive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but like starting conversations and like asking, um, maybe having a small group that's uh, focused on racial reconciliation or God's heart for diversity or something like that. Um, I think even serving uh, communities that are unlike yourself um, mm. or 
or seeking to, because I think you can also have that uh, savior mentality too, yeah. of like stepping in, like you guys yeah. don't have anything, let yeah. me help you with everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah. but stepping in and realizing like I just want you are my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and I want to come alongside of you. How can I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and and seeking to serve in that way, uh, I would I would also. Uh, I don't know, think of the idea of of some kind of uh, reconciliation conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my church back home in Missouri um, just invited some African-American congregants, I guess, um, up on stage to share some of their experiences and um, to share some things that were encouraging and some things that were hurtful and just being able to facilitate some of those conversations um, up front is can be helpful um, mm. so if there are small things that we can do probably bigger things <laughs> that yeah. we could be doing um, but I think the issue is we're not doing anything mm. out of fear of messing it up okay so something I would like your perspective on is just the idea of that how segregated churches are and what why does that happen and what can I guess what can an individual do because whenever I think about the church like that's it's a lot of people and if I'm choosing a church after college what what am I to look for or like how do I influence as an individual going in absolutely yeah so I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> um, I I love so myself being biracial. I love multi ethnic groups. Yeah, that's where I feel most comfortable. Okay, and I want to be around people who are like me and not like me. Um, yeah. and so I'm all for like multicultural churches and congregations and things like that. Um, mixing things up Mm -hmm. but I also realized that maybe if I was um, just Nigerian or African-American or something like that that Mm -hmm. I would feel more comfortable being around peers who are African-American yeah Mm -hmm. Um, they would have the same culture same Mm -hmm. upbringing same perspectives and and things like that and so there are African-American churches there are Asian-American churches there are Korean churches there you know and predominantly white churches and Sometimes I feel like that's not too much of a problem because you can be with people who are like you and have a shared culture. But mostly, that's maybe 20%, (laughs) (laughs) for my opinion anyway. And then 80%, I feel like it just get outside of your own culture. Like we have a shared culture that is Christ's culture Mm. and his kingdom culture. And we can um, lay aside our own... uh, values and mm-hmm. uh, comforts and perspectives to embrace all of Christ yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all for like mixed churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you asked like, what can you do as an individual? Um, I think like going to a church where maybe you're a minority mm-hmm. um, and stepping outside of your comfort zone or choosing a church that really reflects a lot of diversity um, in a congregation, uh, inviting other people to church with yeah. you, um, yeah. and and I think even 
I'm really encouraged and impressed by individuals who plant themselves in communities where they're where they're basically the minority, mm-hmm. um, like a, a white individual going into a black community, living there among them, going to church with them. Um, you're changed yeah. very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I remember when we took a spring break trip to Atlanta. And we went to Ebenezer Baptist uh, in the heart of downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I remember for many of, for myself and many of my peers having discussions around, wow, I think that was the first time in my life I was ever truly a minority in a room. Mm-hmm. To go into a predominantly black church and to have 30 mainly white kids, you know, that they would graciously open their doors and, and welcome us and, and to be there and to realize wow, this is what it feels like to be a minority. Like, I've never felt this way. Mm-hmm. And what an eye-opening. It's a glimpse. It's yeah. A, it's, it's merely a glimpse. It's, yeah. It's not like for an yeah. hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, so, it's yeah. like, it's, it's different, but it is a glimpse into, whoa, I, my eyes. Yeah. Maybe my worldview is not the norm for everyone else. And I think, I think back to even Martin Luther King said, like, Sunday church is like the most segregated hour in America. I think largely that's still true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I, I, some, something that was really impactful for me was someone who, who said, if you don't like diversity, you're going to hate heaven. Mm-hmm. The revelation given to John portrays an image of every people group worshiping at the feet of Jesus. The whole Bible. The, yeah, the whole Bible speaks does. of the nations from exactly. from the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. It speaks of that, right? Yeah, and so, and so if you think it's going to be people that look and sound or dress or are people just like you, wow, you're in for a different picture of what you think heaven is like. Mm-hmm. Wow, and, and that was something that was just so encouraging to me, as I, like you said, as I begin to kind of broaden my horizons to what it's like to have. Um, to be a part of a multi-ethnic, multicultural um, community, I think those things are really hard to do, but they are—they are glimpses of heaven in ways that that I don't, in, in unique ways, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. So, Corinne, on this topic, what do you think are the biggest setbacks or challenges that we face as just in the present on this topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> one is fear, mm. um, fear of doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, offending someone, um, that just really keeps us from doing much, yeah. <laughs> it mobilizes right. us really. Mm. Um, I think another is selfishness mm. and just thinking of our own selves and circumstances and issues that we have to deal with that are so huge uh, <laughs> that maybe really aren't yeah. <laughs> yeah. in light of everything else that's going on. Um, I think also, um, to an extent, a lack of awareness and ignorance. Um, and, and, I mean, I can group myself into that as well. Of um, It's really comfortable to just ignore what's going on. And mm-hmm. it's really easy to... Uh, just go on with your day knowing that certain things are happening all around you. Um, that And it can feel really overwhelming. I think that's been uh, over the last maybe year and a half or so. For me, it's just too much. 
Um, so like it's discouraging, heartbreaking, like what in the world can I do um, about this? And realizing like, okay, I don't need to single-handedly fix the world, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I can have conversations with people and I can pray furiously and uh, I can continue to be aware and understand a little bit more of what's going on and expose myself to pain. Uh, that that's probably a big that's one. Too. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like pain. Yeah. We like nope. to avoid pain um, and discomfort. So being willing to um, allow our hearts to hurt for others or for ourselves. Yeah, does the Bible speak to that? Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Man. Well, thank you, Corinne. Thank you for being here with us. This has been a blessing to us. I am so excited to get this out on the internet and the interwebs <laughs> where uh, others can be a part of our uh, conversation here we had this morning. And, and I just want to thank you again uh, that you would be willing to join us and that you would be willing to share your experience um, and just help us as we be, as we continue to um, engage in, in what does it look like to be ambassadors of God carrying out um, his reconciling all things to himself in a broken world. And so thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Grateful for you guys. <laughs> yeah. My one last tip, I think if, if you've listened to this discussion, I think it's easy to um, pop your headphones out and go back on what you're doing. Maybe you're going into class or, or whatever you're doing or you're studying. I would really encourage you, if you're listening to this, to take time to really sit and then think about these things to re maybe consider rethinking how you engage the world and that maybe your worldview is not everyone's worldview and begin to think through some of these conversations. Um, have conversations with your peers. Uh, don't let this be the last um, time you hear some of these conversations because I think that is so important. Um, so that's, that's my tip uh, before yeah. I sign off. But And even thinking of how... What is God's role in it? Yeah. What isn't God's role in it? Maybe yeah. is a better question. Yeah. What, <laughs> what is that, His people's role? Right. And like, how how do we seek Him through it? Yeah. And seek to be obedient to what He's called us to mm. do, what He's called us to love and care for and care about. Mm. That's great. Awesome. Thanks again, Corinne. We are signing off here from Christ Culture College. Hey.